Well, praise the Lord. We're going to go right on with our, our, our study on Colossians. So I know that Brother Mark's not here, but Jesus is here. And he's got something to say to you tonight if you'll hear it, right? If we'll hear it, he'll have something to say. You know, he always is speaking. I, 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 I'm convinced that God is always speaking. And he's just waiting for people who are listening. And he's looking for people who are seeking him. You know, um, uh, one of my fathers in the faith said it quite clearly one time. He said, you know, uh, it's, it's great to, be, to hear from God. And, and some people are looking for that audible voice, that, that out loud voice. And he said, he said, in my experience, and he was a very experienced man in the things of God. Uh, he said, in my experience, God saves such things for, you know, it's the, sort of the same thing as you yelling, your, yelling at your kid when they're playing in the street. You know, normally you don't yell at your child. You, in an emergency, when they, that's the only way they're listening, that's what you would do. And he said, you know, we shouldn't be looking, uh, hoping God speaks to us in an audible voice. Uh, because that most of the time when he does that, it's that he's failed to get your attention any other way. Much better to be listening with the voice and the ears of the Spirit to that still small voice as he speaks to you. God has a voice tonight that's not just my voice. I believe that God will speak through me. The Bible says, let the one who speaks speak as if God is speaking to the church, right? Speak the utterance of God. That's the way you're supposed to speak. No matter who you are, when you get up and address the church and say, I'm speaking from God, you should let God speak through you. The other side of that is this, that tonight I'm going to say some things and I hope they hit your heart. But I believe that God wants to speak to you in between the words. I believe that God wants to put director's commentary on top of this DVD. I believe that he wants to talk to you while I'm talking. And if you'll let the word sink deep, the word will do what it's supposed to do. So in Colossians, and let's go ahead and, and just jump back into Colossians chapter 3. I spent such a rich time in Colossians and, and I'm thankful that... Um, I mean, this, is, this, is, this could only really happen when it's the Word of God, but words that have been written down thousands of years ago are still so extremely relevant right now. And uh, that's exciting. I mean, that, that just shows you the power of, of, of a word spoken by God. Um, but in Colossians 3, let's just spend a little bit of time looking at uh, what, what Paul's talking about. I'm just going to really focus... As weird as this is, I said three, I meant chapter four. Uh, as weird as this is, we're, we're going to just spend most of our time focusing on one verse. And that's here in verse two. In verse two, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned. We'll talk about that next week. But I want to just focus on, on the simple phrase. And it's, it may be simple, but it shows up over and over in the New Testament. Devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Can I just ask a question that you shouldn't answer out loud? <laughs> but how many of us really could say, yes, I'm devoted to prayer? 
And I'm not saying that like, a, I better not see anybody's hand because none of you are. No, I, I believe there are people in this congregation that would say, yes, I am. There'd be others who would say, I have been at times, maybe not all the time. And there's some who say, I'm not even sure what that looks like. Can we just be honest and say, sometimes we don't even know what it would look like to be devoted to prayer. I mean, there's been plenty of times in my life, uh, in, in my spiritual walk with Christ, where I've said, I know that there's somewhere I want to be, and I know I'm not there yet, and I want to be there. But I don't know exactly, I don't know what my life would look like if I was there. I'm not sure how that would affect me. I'm not sure, I'm not afraid of it, I'm not, I'm not running away from it, but I don't even know what it looks like. What does it look like to, have, to be devoted to prayer? Does that mean I quit my job and I, I spend, you know, five hours in my basement? Does it mean that, um, you know, I have a schedule that I stick to? Does it mean that I'm going to every time uh, any church is having a prayer meeting, I'm there? Like, what does it mean to be devoted to prayer? What would it look like? You know, a lot of times we have the desire, but we, we just don't know the how. Right? You have that desire in you. I want to do these things. I want to do this for the Lord. But I'm not quite sure how. And, and I believe that, that it, when it's something this important that we're commanded over and over again, devote yourselves to prayer. I think it's something you should find out. What would that look like? Where could I start? What, what could I do? And, and, and when I say what could I do, realize that every time I'm talking about what you can do, you can't do anything without him right? Without him, you're powerless to do anything good. So when we're talking about praying and you're saying, what can I do? Can I do this more? What I don't want you to do is to slip into, uh, back into uh, a, a, a realm of works where you're saying, if I do this more and if I try harder, more will get done. Because there's no faith in that. That's just faith in yourself. And that will, you'll end up empty. But if you say, God, I realize that you have some things you want to do and you're going to do it through me praying. So, Lord, teach me how to pray. Uh, be with me as I pray. Show me. Encourage me. Give me a hunger to pray. And I think God will start with that. God will work with that. You know, this word for devote, um, it, I mean, it's, it's a word that, that you know, um, we, could, we could translate as committed to. We could translate it as, as fully given yourself over to. Uh, it's, it occurs 10 times. This Greek word occurs 10 times in the New Testament. And half of those times is in reference to prayer. The other times, like for instance, um, when uh, Jesus is, is going to go and he's going to go to the other side. It, it says they have a boat that's devoted that's set aside, set apart for him to, to take him to the other side. There's a, there's a specific boat that they've set aside. It's for Jesus. They've used this word devoted. This is the word that they use. So it's got a specific purpose. It's, this, is what it, this is what it's being set aside for or set apart for. And in some ways, you think about that with prayer, like we were designed in Christ to be a praying people, people that, that move heaven and earth with prayer, uh, not just people that pray out of ritual, not just people that pray um, trying to get God's attention, but understanding you have his attention. You're not fighting for God's attention. You already have his attention. My goodness, he's God. How could he be distracted? Right? How, do you think that he's, he's looking at someone else? He, he, he has the ability to, to, to be perfectly aware of everything all at once. You have his attention. You're not seeking his sympathy. You don't need his sympathy. He loves you with perfect love. Yeah. 
right? So you're not trying to say, God, you know, it, it, what if I pray this way? If I pray really sad, will you feel sorry for me? No, instead, understand this, that the Bible says the prayer of a righteous person has a great effect. It avails much. It affects much. So understand that there are things God's going to do because, let me just put a bracket in there. If, if we say God's will, God will do whatever he wants to do, whether I pray or not. He's, he's king of kings and lord of lords. So he'll do it. It doesn't matter if I pray. He's going to do what he's going to do. Well, then there's really no point in us praying. I mean, then, you know, why are we, why are we doing this at all? If that were the case, then the prayer of a righteous person wouldn't change anything. Right? What would it change? If God was going to do it no matter what you did, then your prayer doesn't change anything. But it says your prayer has a great effect. Now, I believe God can be sovereign and God can use you. And I believe those things can live in the same fish tank. Those are both true. That God has put the church here to be his ambassadors, his workmen, his tools, his, his instrument to reach the world. So there are things that God's only going to do through the prayers of the saints. Even in the Old Testament. I've told you this story many times. You've read it. But Daniel, Jeremiah in chapter 29 had prophesied that, that the Israelites, or sorry, not the Israelites, the Jews would be in Babylon for, for 70 years. And when 70 years came, nobody was looking to leave. So Daniel looked in his Bible and said, God said in 70 years we're getting out. Why aren't we out? Now many people would go, okay, well, I guess God changed his mind. I, I don't know. I guess it's no longer his will. I don't know what we did wrong. Daniel's response is what our response should be. If God said it, let's go to prayer. Let's pray it. Let's pray about this. Let's seek the Lord. This is a promise. We've got something to stand on. Let's go. So Daniel went to the river and prayed until he got a vision from God. And then he waited 21 days to get the interpretation of the vision. But that's somebody who said, God said it, but it's going to take me to put some agreement to this. I'm going to pray about this. You know, the Bible talks about uh, being imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. You know, that, 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 that seems to imply that there are some people that won't inherit the promises of God, either for lack of patience or even lack of faith. They don't believe God, so they don't see it. Or they believe God, but they don't. They just think if God's going to do it, he'll do it right away. And if he doesn't do it right away, it's not God. There's no patience. Then they don't receive. Here's what he says. Devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. I just want to talk about very simply, and this is going to be a simple message, but I hope it's simple enough to change your morning tomorrow morning. What does it mean to be devoted to something? I think when we're talking about devoted to prayer, I think it means we're constantly in an attitude of prayer. The scripture says to pray without ceasing, right? That, that doesn't mean that you are always, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, our Father, walking around, you know. But I believe, you know, it's almost like having somebody on the phone on an earpiece and never hanging up, yes. right? That your conversation with God never stops. There's never a part of your life that is off limits for prayer. There's never a part in your life where you say, now's not a good time. Right. At all times we pray. Yeah. And with, and the Bible actually talks about several times, uh, several times, I'm going to just skip over there real quick. In Ephesians, Ephesians, he says this, Ephesians chapter 6. 
He says in verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. You notice all the alls there. There's a lot of all. So all doesn't just mean all-encompassing. When he talks about all prayer, what does he mean by all prayer? I believe he means all types of prayer. So you have to be okay with this. There's not one, there's not one way to pray. There's many ways to pray. Just like in every relationship, there's more than one type of conversation you'll have. And the closer you are to someone, the more types of conversation you'll have. If the only type of conver- if I only have one type of conversation with my wife, our relationship will be very limited. Whether it's this is what we need to do today. If all I ever talked to my wife about was this is our schedule. That's limited. If, if all I ever ask, if all I ever talk to her about is, is the needs that we have. Here's the needs that we have. That's very limited. If all I ever talk to her is, is, is trying to, is, you know, just simply saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. That's great. But if you never go beyond that, you're not going to have much of a relationship. So there are a lot of different types of prayer. Philippians talks about it. Ephesians talks about it. We, we hear about praying, uh, a prayer of petition. We, we hear about prayers of intercession. We hear about prayers of adoration and thanksgiving. And we hear all of these different types of prayers. And, and, and maybe you say, well, it sounds like I have to take a course, a college course to learn what this prayer is. And while you probably would benefit from studying a bit on it, I think... You guys are already doing some of this and you just don't know it. Right. So tonight, we're going to talk about different ways to pray, how we're devoting ourselves to prayer, how our life should be a life of prayer, our days should be a day of prayer. You know, we often say, you know, this is a, this is a day of prayer, national day of prayer, international day of prayer. Every day is a day of prayer for you. Every day that Jesus had on the earth was a day of prayer. Now, there were times he set aside that were just for prayer. And I think you need that. But I also think you need days where you're doing everything else and you're staying in prayer. You think about it. Should we, should we pray? Here's a question that comes up. Should I pray free form? Or should I pray like just free, like just go whatever's on my heart? Or should I pray according to like a specific guideline? And my answer is both. You should pray what's on your heart. There's going to be things that's on your heart one day that you don't know where it came from. You believe it came from God. Or maybe it came from you and you got to deal with it. But, but you should be able to pray whatever's on your heart at the time. But if that's the only way you pray, I think you're missing out a little bit. Because the Bible is full of powerful prayers that would guide you on your way. Can we be humble enough to realize, I don't know everything. And maybe there's some depths I haven't got to yet. God's giving me the cheat codes to get there. He's giving me a path to get there. When I look at Ephesians 1 and he prays that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would know what the hope of his calling is, the riches of his inheritance, the saints, that we would know the depths, all of these things, that's stuff I wouldn't have come up with on my own. I would just be at home going, you know, I pray that the eyes of my heart. I mean, this is stuff that is coming from a deep place that I can pray this and it's going to get it deep into my spirit. I could pray the Lord's prayer 
And there's power in the Lord's Prayer. Some people pray the Lord's Prayer and they forget, that they forget what they're praying. It's, it's, it's become such a ritual to them, they don't even think about those words. Some people pray over their food and you barely know they're speaking English. That's how fast they get through it. I don't believe any prayer should be so much, so much just, just out of muscle memory that you're not thinking about what you're praying. But yet you could pray the Lord's Prayer every day of your life and I believe it would bless you every day. And it would bless the Lord every day and it would have effect on your life if you're thinking about what you're saying. Some people, that, the reason an uh, uh, army chaplain gets on the ground with a soldier that's dying on the battlefield and says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, is because some people believe that's the perfect prayer. Because the disciples said, Teacher, show, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, Pray in this way. But you know, he didn't say pray these exact words. He said, Pray in this way. And there's a pattern, a rhythm in the Lord's Prayer that touches almost every element of prayer. It's not the only prayer you should pray. But boy, is it a great start. Because by praying that, you're going to touch a lot of things that maybe you wouldn't have known to hit on yourself. By praying these prayers in the New Testament, by praying the prayers that Jesus prayed, by praying the prayers that the psalmists prayed, you're going to go places you couldn't have got to on your own. So should I pray free without a script? Yeah. Should I pray according to, so like the word, should I pray the prayers in the Bible? Yeah, you should. What other kind of form might you pray through? You've got scriptures that you pray through. You've got uh, prayers in here that you pray through. You've got promises that you pray through. What else? Well, I don't know about you, but I think it's a good thing to have a prayer list. Right? When you tell someone, I'll be praying for you, do you write that down? Or do you just hope you remember? Because I don't know, if you're anything like me, you're not going to remember that. Well, I'll pray for them if the Lord puts them on my heart. Oh, that's great. But I think if you already went to the trouble of telling them, I'll be praying for you, consider that the Lord putting them on your heart. Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we act so spiritual. Like, you know, <laughs> we've had it before where I've just asked somebody to do like a really small task before the service. Could you just perhaps like, um, there, there's, <laughs> there's an old lady who needs some help. Could you open the door for her? I'm going to have to pray about that, Pastor. <laughs> no, you don't need to pray about that. There are, there's just stuff that you just don't need to pray about. It, it is just that easy. You don't need to pray about it. And when I tell someone I'm going to pray for them, I should pray for them. Now, God can bring them up at spontaneous times. But if you say you're going to pray for them, write it down somewhere. Make a list. Check it twice. You know? Let that be part. Now, your whole prayer time is it shouldn't just be a list, but it could be part of it. Should my prayer be uh, with other people or by myself? Both. Right? There is prayer. We got, we've got to pray together. There's power and agreement. The Bible tells us that when we agree in Jesus' name, anything is possible. But there are some prayers you can't pray with other people. There's prayers that you just, of, of, of God sorting things out in you, that you need, to be, you need to have alone prayer time as well. Should I pray in tongues? Should I pray in the Holy Spirit? Should I pray in my own language? Well, Paul says, I do both. So I do both. 
He says, I pray with my understanding. I pray in the spirit. I pray with my understanding. I pray with, I sing in the spirit. I sing with my mind. I sing in my own language. He says there's a time for both. But he says, when I'm with people, I sure want to pray in their language so that they can say amen to what I'm saying. In other words, if you don't get what I'm praying, there's no agreement there. We're just two people yelling in the same room. And while that's nice sometimes, at some point I want to say amen to your prayer. Well, what about, uh, should we pray at certain scheduled times or should we pray whenever we feel it? Both. I don't know if you're noticing a pattern, but my answer to all these is going to be both. You should pray spontaneously. You should have moments where you are pushing a grocery cart and the Spirit of the Lord says stop and you stop. And you go, why am I stopped? You want me to buy that soup, Lord? And he goes, no, no, pray now. Okay, pray now. And you don't know what's happening at that moment, but you have to pray. And the Holy Spirit's giving you utterance, and God is praying through you. And you're, you're just, you're trying not to take the lead because you don't know why you're praying, but you know you're meant to pray right now. Or somebody pops on your heart, and you just, you just know I'm supposed to pray for that person. Stop, pray. But is it good to have times in your day that you set aside for prayer? Yeah. Because if you just depend on the spontaneous times, you're going to miss some of those times where there's just, there's rich depth and rich reward in godly discipline and godly habits. And being able to say, maybe for you, it's first thing in the morning. You get up a little bit earlier every day so you can spend time in prayer. Give that time to the Lord. Wow. You'd be amazed how your day has shifted. Maybe you're more of the type of person that says, no, you know what? I give the Lord the, those last hour, that, the last time in my day. And, and I just, I, whatever has happened, I pray through it. And I pray, I pray all that stuff that's boiling around in me. I pray through it tonight, that night before I go to bed. Well, praise the Lord. That's wonderful too. Maybe you do both. But there's something about saying, Lord, I've set this time aside for you. I'm not just waiting for a free moment. I have scheduled this. That I think God honors. You know, Jesus went up to the mountain to pray sometimes. That was scheduled prayer, right? Do you think that God, Jesus only prayed when he had scheduled prayer? No, he prayed all the time. He's always talking to the Father. He's always communing with the Father. He only does things that the Father shows him. He only says things that the Father tells him. How could you do that if you weren't spending a lot of time with the Father? But at the same time, there are times where he says, I'm not doing anything else but praying right now. Praise God, that's powerful. These are very simple things, but if we just started putting a, these into practice, you're going to change. The way you look at God's going to change. The way you look at people's going to change. And the world around you is going to change. Now, I want to focus on a phrase that we keep seeing which is keeping alert in prayer. What does that mean to you, keeping alert in prayer? How do you see that, keeping alert? I mean, sometimes you think about the disciples falling asleep while Jesus told them to keep watch, and they keep falling asleep. What is he asking them to watch for? Now, watch and pray means something else to us on a Standard church prayer night. Most of the time, watch and pray means we're looking at our watch while we're praying, waiting for the, right? That's, that's modern North American watch and pray. All right, all right. But when he says watch and pray, I think there's an alertness 
There's something he knows is coming and he wants them to know it's coming. And he wants them to be in an attitude of alertness like you need to be awake for this, you need to be aware for this. So one of those things that we talked about was should I pray free form or should I pray according to like something that's written out? And I said both. Here's one, one reason that you can't just pray things you've already decided to pray. Because when we're alert in an attitude of prayer, when I'm alert... I'm coming into that conversation knowing that I don't know everything and knowing that I'm not aware of everything that needs to be prayed about. So alert means, God, what's going on right now that I need to be praying about? I'm I'm just going to say, I don't think you can really be alert in prayer if you're doing the talking the whole time. You should work time in your prayer. If your prayer time is so tightly scheduled that you have to be talking all the time, then how could you really be alert? Because you don't even have time to listen, right? If I just came up to you and just started, and just started talking, talking, and then walked away, said, good talk, glad we had this conversation. I wouldn't have learned anything, right? Somebody once said, and I think it was a, it was a really wise thing, I heard it one time, where they said, prayer is like any conversation. The one who knows the most should talk the most. We'd all be smarter, we'd all be wiser if we followed that rule, right? You know, Proverbs says, talks about like, you know, it's better, you know, a fool is known by his many words. There's an old saying that says better to be, uh, better to be assumed to, to, to be a fool than open your mouth and prove it beyond all doubt. You know, it, one of the things that we could do, we could really be wise just by listening. And if you believe you can hear from God, and I believe every believer can hear from God, if you believe you can hear from God, then prayer is two-way conversation. It doesn't always mean that you're going to get words from God in complete sentences, but you're going to get led by God through your prayer, and you're going to hear things, and you're going to know things. He's going to lead you to somewhere in your Bible, or he's going to have something rise up in you, but either way, you're, you're hearing some stuff, and the best prayers I've ever prayed with The ones I've just said, I just want to listen and learn from this person. They take their cues from God through their prayer. So as they pray, they're listening. And then they'll they'll start praying about something that they didn't come into the room thinking they were going to be praying about this, but they're praying about this. That's an alertness in prayer. Another way to be alert in prayer is what I talked about earlier. At any moment in the day, you could be called on to pray. Are you willing to stop? Let me ask you, who in your life, who in your life has the right to call you and you will pick up no matter what you're doing? So for me, that's a, that's a tight group that I'll, I'll pick up my phone no matter what, Right? If, if something was, had to do with my wife or my son or, you know, the certain things like that, you're going to pick up your phone. This is an important call. There's other things that can wait, right? God is on that list, is, is at the top of the list of calls you should take no matter what. You always take that call, right? You always take that call. With that in mind, I think you should probably just... Just side note, turn your phone off. Turn everything off. There's got to be times in prayer where we turn everything off. Right? There are moments that demand our full attention. 
So maybe you're like me, and I have like, uh, I'm just a product of my generation in some ways where I have like three things going on at once. I can't watch a movie at home and just watch a movie. I have to watch a movie and be writing or reading something on my phone and got something over here, like, right? You got a thousand things. And that's just a product of modern culture with multiple screens. There's benefits. You're good at multitasking. The downside, your focus is shot. You know, it's really bad. We, you know, kind of like raising a bunch of kids that, that don't know how to focus on anything. And, and my hope is, is that we reel that back a bit because we've gone probably too far. Um, but for me, I've got uh, three things going on all the time. But I've realized that there are certain times that demand my full attention. So I'm not going to be texting when I'm at somebody's deathbed, right? None of you are just like, hang on, I'm listening. Just also checking Twitter. Go ahead. No. You were saying? No. Full attention. Me and my wife, when we're together and there's just a time with just the two of you, full attention. Now, that's not every conversation I have my wife, with my wife. She knows that she's smiling. She's smiling. But there are, times, there are times of closeness where you turn everything off. This is about you, right? She's about to take advantage of this and say that every moment we're together. Yeah, no. Not every time. Watch it. You lose your talking privileges at home. No, I'm just kidding. Now, if you think I could, you think I had the, uh, have the authority to pull that off, you're, you're, you're really laughing. <laughs> you don't text when you're officiating a wedding, right? There's certain times that demand full attention, and times with the Lord demand full attention. Right now should demand your full attention. That's why you don't text in church. This should demand your full attention. Why? Not because I'm so important you need to listen to me, but because if we really say, God, speak to me, then you need to set your ears, open your ears, open your eyes, and set them on the Lord. Right? That's why when I'm, you know, one of the things, if you can, put your devices in airplane mode. You know, I realize some of you have got kids downstairs and you might get a text that your child needs you and so you have to leave your phone on. Um, there's ways to do that where you're not just getting every email and getting every Facebook alert. You know, there are things we can do. I'm being very practical, but we need to be practical because I can just sit here and throw verses at you and talk spiritual all day long and, you, and nothing changes in your life and will have done you no good. We need to start with the spiritual because that's where the power is. But we also need to say, where does this hit the ground? Practically, what would it look like to be devoted to prayer? Is my prayer life rich enough? Is it one-dimensional? Is it too short? Could it be longer? Could I spend more time in prayer? I think the answer for all of us is, yeah, we could and we should. So here's what you do. If you ever walked into a messy house or a messy room that is so messy, you don't know where to start, and you had all of this fire and gumption to get it done, but as soon as you walk and you see it and you don't know where to begin, you just go, ugh. And all of the motivation is gone. Why? Because you didn't know where to start. It's too much. You're overloaded. You're overwhelmed. I can, I'm convinced that believers do this all the time when it comes to prayer or Bible study or whatever. Because you come with these grand ideas, right? 
<laughs> you got into service, you're like, God, I'm going to give you seven hours a day of prayer. Right? But you haven't been doing 15 minutes, but you'll give them seven hours. So what's going to happen? You're going to go one day where you're going to maybe get six and a half in. And then you're just going to be like, I can't do that again. I just, you know. For most people, it's, 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 you, you need to start somewhere and let God grow you through it, right? Because it's just like anything. You know, if I'm just going to start working out, uh, you know, this is the funniest thing. Like, you know, people that are just like totally out of shape, they never work out. Then they get P90X and they're like, you know, all of a sudden I'm going to do what the Navy SEALs do, right? You know, let's... <laughs> P90X is great, but day one, you're, you're going to feel like you're dying, you know? You're just, so you need to start somewhere. If I'm going to if I'm lifting, if I said, you know, I'm going to start a weight regimen, I'm not going to just say, what does Chance do, though, every day? <laughs> What's Chance's? How much is he lifting? I could probably do that. And in a week, I'll look like Chance. No, I won't. God is patient, and he's empowering And he wants to take you on the journey where you're not doing it out of guilt or shame or condemnation, but you're doing it out of love, out of excitement for him, out of obedience, out of faith, out of all these things. And guys, I just want you to believe and I want you to know that your prayer changes things. I've used this example before, but if I told you hit this red button 10 times a day, Ten times a day, just hit this red button, and it didn't do anything. It just made it, didn't even make a click. It just kind of, you just hit it every day, ten times a day. That, that would become your most boring, least anticipated task of the day. Oh, i got to press that stupid button. Ugh, my day. Now, what if I took you somewhere, though, and said, now press this red button, and every time you press this red button, fireworks went off. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool, hey? Whoa, this is, this is doing something. This is changing something. I I pray that we have the awareness. First of all, I pray that we have the heart, the humility, the obedience to pray when we don't feel like anything's changing and we don't know what's changing. But by faith, you believe something's changing. But I also pray you have the awareness to know that your prayer, even if you don't see it, your prayer is shifting something mighty. There is, God doesn't need our empty ritual. Your prayer changes stuff. It shakes things. It, it, it affects things. Angels go to work at the word of the Lord. When you're praying God's word, angels are going to work. Things are happening that you can't see. And so like Elisha's servant, I pray that sometime your eyes would be open and you would see the army of God responding to the prayers of the saints. And he says, pray at all times. Devote yourselves to prayer. And every time he says devote yourselves to prayer, he says keep alert. And the other thing that pops up every time he talks about it is with thanksgiving. You know, I I think that um, one of the things that shifted my heart in prayer is we go through periods of, of momentum. As a pastor, one of the most difficult things is not to let momentum shape everything. To recognize that there's God-given momentum, and that's good. And you should say, where's God moving? I want to get on board. But I've come to realize that a lot of the momentum we feel, by the time we feel momentum, it's because there's been rowing happening long before we felt any movement. People have been praying for a while. 
So we feel the wind of revival right now. And what we do when we, when we look at revival, we say, well, what started it? Well, there was that one service where they did that drum beat. That's the drum beat of revival. <laughs> yeah, because we're looking with the eyes of the flesh and said, what started it? What was the first thing we saw? But really, more likely, revival started in a basement room with fluorescent lights had no glitz and glamour, didn't feel like anything was moving because when you first start rowing on a ship, it does not feel like things are moving that much. But keep going. Keep going. People join you. Keep going. You feel some movement now. We feel some momentum now. And it started with some people pulling and you didn't feel like it was easy. It felt like we're pulling against something because the, the scripture tells us that the weapons we fight with are not natural weapons, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. So let's just imagine for a moment that if we're pulling down strongholds, and when Paul talks about that, he's talking about strongholds of strongly held belief systems and paradigms and thoughts and culture, that culture is changing at the word of God. Those things don't always change overnight, but they change. I'm held in tension of knowing that there are people in our church that are gifted and passionate and called to be intercessors. And I need these people. But we should never look at those people and say, thank God they're doing the praying for us. Now let me do my thing. Because there's nowhere in the scripture where it says, you'll have your prayer team and then everybody else. There's nowhere in the scripture where it says there is not all our intercessors, are they? He says that about other things. He says that about other things. Not everybody does this. Not everybody is this part. There's nowhere in the Bible where he says not everybody prays. He says, saints, let's all do this. So while we should learn, we should appreciate, we should honor those that have devoted themselves to prayer and, and, and have set themselves on the wall. They've interceding, they're watching, they're, they're pushing, they're moving. We should never abdicate everything and say, well, thank God you're doing it because I, I just, I'm not gifted that way. You are too. That's right. You just haven't worked the muscle in a bit. You know what I mean? That's like saying I'm not gifted to run. You may not be the fastest runner. And you may train all your life and still not be the fastest runner. But you can run. Yes. And if you started running every day, you'd run more. The next year, you'd be better at running than the year before. I thought about this. Scripture says, pray without ceasing. So prayer is conversation. Prayer is not one way. Prayer is two way. Then pray without ceasing means that God wants to talk to you without ceasing. Mm -hmm. God wants, to, wants conversation with you all the time. Mm -hmm. Maybe we need to demystify what we call prayer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes prayer is just listening. Sometimes prayer is two words. Sometimes it's two hours. Jesus said, don't be like the Gentiles who think that they're heard because they prayed more words. Mm. And he says, don't be like the Pharisees who think they're heard because they use fancier words. Mm. Isn't that funny? Like when you're praying with someone and when you were talking to them, they had a Canadian accent. And then when they pray, they have a, like an American accent. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, hey, are you just talk spiritual? Like, is it... <laughs> 
most of the time, all that is is somebody who grew up listening to those voices. And that's when they think of God, they think of that accent. But I always find it kind of funny. You know, there's some people, it's not this much anymore, but there was people you'd pray with and they never use these and thous and thys or anything until they start praying. Then it's, thine, O Lord, is the kingdom, the power and glory. Oh, wow, we are, aren't we fancy? <laughs> I mean, they'd use words, they didn't even know what that meant, you know? <laughs> That's a King James word, I, and I know you're using it wrong. There's times when you don't want to chuckle because you're like, I'm pretty sure you don't know what that word means. <laughs> but bless your heart. <laughs> And you know what? We all have understanding for each other. I don't think you should ever feel self-conscious praying about it around anyone. But understanding this, that maybe we need to demystify prayer and make it so that it's not just something that stands alone over here as if I get in this posture, in this place, that's prayer. But the prayer should be happening all the time, at any moment. That said, it's still good for you to have these moments you've set aside. I think it's good for you to still find time to bow your knee, to lift your hands. You say, well, isn't that religious ritual? No. There's something in posture that affects our soul. What we're doing with our hands, what we're doing with our feet, it's not changing God's mind about anything, but it's changing you. God doesn't say, oh, I can hear you now. Thank God you got on your knees. Unless, there's a, unless your knees are grounded, unless there is that contact, I can't hear a thing, you know? It's interference. When I lift my hands, think about this. Think about lifting your hands. Maybe, you, maybe you're new to the church like this. and You're still kind of weirded out that people do this during a slow song. Why don't you do it during a fast song? Why is it in slow songs everybody does this? But think about this. Think about why it says, Paul said, I pray that men everywhere would pray lifting holy hands. So not just like worship songs. Pray lifting holy hands. It's an attitude of surrender. Uh, it's, it's It's a posture of receiving, right? We're receiving from God. It's also a very vulnerable posture. Guys, just think about it. Would you walk into a fight like this? No, it looks like you're giving up, doesn't it? Why? This is not this right here is saying I'm making myself vulnerable. I'm opening. It's an open position. You're not crossed like this. You're open. You're vulnerable. And you might say, well, that's just silly nonsense. I don't think it is because your brain processes things that you don't even know it's processing. That's why you don't know you cross your arms when you don't know it, but you don't like what that person is saying. You just do this. You Now... I know some people like do the body language thing and it annoys me because sometimes I cross my arms because I'm cold. But sometimes you'll just find yourself, you don't even know you're doing it. You clench your fists. You do you, these little micro expressions, these little things that you're doing that you don't know. Why? It's because there's a link between your body and your soul. So most of the time, our body is just responding to what our brain's already saying, our feelings are already saying. But when you pray, we're flipping the script. We're not responding 
to ourselves, we're actually reacting to God. And so what I'm saying when I choose uh, 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 to kneel, when I choose to lift my hands is, soul, I don't care how closed you feel right now. I don't care how proud you feel, how high and mighty you feel right now. We are lowering ourselves before the Lord. We are opening ourselves to God. And we are putting ourselves in a posture of worship. And it'll affect how you, I swear, it'll affect how your brain feels about this experience. And your brain sometimes, guys, just like your body, is like a little toddler. And for the first five minutes goes, I don't want to be here. Are we there yet? When are we going to be there? How long do I have to sit here? Ah. (laughs) Believe me, I do this every time. When there's a guest speaker, I sit there on the front row trying not to check things on my iPad. I just have to go, I'm listening. And I'm listening completely. When I go into my room to pray, it's gotten better because you train yourself how to pray. But still, when, when you go to read a book, when you go, my, I, I, it is like talking to a little child. You are going to sit still. You're not going to think about this right now. Yes, I am, because there's so many things I can think. You're not thinking about that right now. No, you're not checking your email. Leave that alone. No, you're not, you know, and just like a little child, your body and your mind can be disciplined and will be, can be trained. And the Bible says, Paul said, that discipline for the sake of godliness has great reward. Godliness has great reward. So I've said all this tonight, and none of this has been like master's level theology. It's just simple what would it look like for a day to be full of prayer? Would it look like us just pouring out our hearts when we feel like it? Yep. Would it would look like us praying out specific things in the word or, or things we've written down or things maybe even out of a book? Yep. Would it look like praying together and praying alone? Yes. Would it look like, um, you know, uh, praying uh, for a little bit or praying for a long time? Both. All of these things are good. In fact, I would, you do well to try a different way to pray and, and incorporate these things together. Spend some time thanking God. Spend some time bringing your petition before him. Spend some time listening. Spend some time interceding. I've heard many people say start. Sometimes it's, it's, it's helpful to, to start with circles going out, ripples going out with concentric circles. Start, and I'm not talking new agey stuff. I'm just saying start with the immediate things that are going on in your own soul then move out to your family. Then move out to your friends, to your church, to your city. And you just keep moving out that way. Sometimes that's a good way to say, God, speak to me through all these things. Let me pray. I hope you picked up tonight that I'm not trying to tell you one way to pray. I'm trying to tell you pray at all times in all, with all prayer and petition. But I want to leave you with this thought. And we'll pick this up next week. But Paul, throughout many of his letters, begged the church to pray for him. He begged the church to pray for him. And he said, it's going to be the difference between me dying and me living. Peter was going to get his head chopped off, just like James had. But the Bible says in the book of Acts, but the church was praying fervently for Peter. We don't know why James died. God doesn't tell us why James died. He didn't tell us it was anybody's fault. Doesn't tell us anything. We don't know why he died, but we know why Peter lived. It was because the church was praying. 
There are people that life and death is depending on the prayers. Salvation and hard-heartedness is dependent on prayer. An election, a war, the way your city goes is dependent on prayer. Where this church is going to be in five years is going to have so much to do, way more to do with the prayers that the saints are praying than the sermons I've even preached. It'll have more of an effect. I'm convinced of that. Thank God. We'll get up here and we'll preach. And preaching is powerful and the word of God changes people. But I believe that the prayer of of, of our church as we pray for what God is doing and pray his will into our congregation and pray that our hearts would be open and pray all of these things, prepare a way in prayer. Because listen, I talk to people like Tina. I talk to people who are prayers in this church and, and, and they, they, I don't know how many times they'll show you their notes and go, this is what I was praying and then you preached it. Why? Because that morning they were preparing a way and guys like me just get to walk in that path that's already been carved. Somebody went out with a machete and started carving a path in the jungle so that we could walk in it. And where we are in five years as a church is going to depend a lot on how we're praying and whether we're praying. Where you are in your life, every good thing, everything that God's going to do in your life is going to be so rooted in your prayer life. Maybe you wonder why you've never seemed to get anywhere further. Can I encourage you? Don't go home tonight and feel guilty. Don't go home tonight and feel like, I just don't do enough. Maybe if I did more. No, go home tonight and say, Lord, you've opened this up again to me. So use me in this area. And, and start out with something. Start out with something you can do tomorrow. Then add to it. Let God build on that. Don't start out saying, okay, I'm going from five minutes a day to five hours a day. Don't set yourself up for that unless, like, unless the Lord spoke to you without a doubt to do that. Instead, God, show me. Show me how to do this. Teach me, Lord. Fine, maybe, you know what? One more thing. I, I, I tried to stop. I'm going to tell you one more thing. Find someone you can pray with that's, that's really devoted to prayer. Just pray with them for a while. You'll catch it. Just listen to them pray. Just listen to their heart. Feel it. Like be with them and go, oh, wow, this is what it feels like to pray. This is what it's like to be around someone that loves to pray. Oh, okay. You'll catch that passion. You'll catch the fire. You'll catch what they've got. God's going to use it. Let's stand up and let's pray together.